Hello and welcome to 41's Economic Class segment of Lacquer College Radio. Myself, Charlie Quinn and James Mason are here today. We are on the phone with Michael Stapleton. Michael works as a chef in Mr. S on Camden Street. Uh, welcome back to Blackrock College. Michael, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, cheers for having me, lads. Um, yeah, so as you said, I'm a chef in Mr. S. Uh, I'm 22. Uh, I work as a commie chef in there, so kind of at the at base level, but kind of get to do everything in the kitchen. Um, four years of school now in my final year of college in uh, in GIT or TU Dublin as it is now. So yeah, also. Uh, that's great. Uh, we're going to start off with a few questions about Mr. S. Then we'll ask uh, more about yourself. Cool. What is the most common order in Mr. S? Uh, so for me, I'm on starters and sides. So um, probably our, our rendang spring roll, which is made with like um, leftover ends of our smoked beef. We turn it into like a an Indonesian curry and uh, cook it down and put it into a spring roll. Yeah, it's just been insanely popular on the menu uh, since day one. So that's all, those orders are always flying in the menu, yeah. All right. Um, why is the restaurant called Mistress? Um, I'll actually, when, as soon as I was in there, you know, when you're in somewhere, I actually got in too deep, never yeah. even asked. Um, I, I do ask someone else one night, uh, my head chef, Dan, told me. But uh, to be honest, I won't even uh, <laughs> I won't even say it on the radio. It's, uh, okay. I'll keep the keep the customers kind of mystified about that one. Okay. Uh, what is the most essential item in the kitchen in Mister S? Um, to be honest, in any professional kitchen, like there's pieces of equipment that you just don't wouldn't get at home. So probably the the thermometer, which like just does everything for you from like. Makes makes pasta for you, makes fine purees, sauces, blend sauces, just kind of does everything. So you'd be pretty lost without that. Um, yeah. What is your favourite budget meal to cook in college? Um, oh, that's a tough one to be honest. Like, yeah, if you're in a hurry, like coming home, I used to just make like this fake risotto using normal rice. Just like if I'd be home from rugby training or something, it would take 10 minutes. Just cook it down with some like lovely tomato sauce, some parmesan, a bit of, bit of meat in there. That would be probably my go-to. Hey, do you have a signature dish? Um, Yeah, for myself. Um, to be honest, it's probably one I came up with during the summer. So it's like... One night I made like a like a chicken kind of kind of pie kind of for me and my brother one night when we, we were in a rush and the flavors that were there were just savage so I turned them into like a I cooked those flavors down for ages so it became like a almost like a spring roll similar to that we do in Miss Dress but then I uh, breadcrumbed it, uh, bread it and deep fried it so it's like crunchy flavours of a chicken pie in like an almost like croquette kind of thing so that one was pretty good yeah that sounds nice yeah uh, if you're stranded on a desert island and have to bring, bring pie foods what would you bring? oh like five individual ingredients uh, uh, yeah 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 go for that Um, probably go with like olive oil Garlic, uh, some parsley, nice herbs, um, 
maybe pasta and parmesan maybe make that, that way I can make pasta that I wanted or maybe just have an unreal sauce like Celtic fish <laughs> uh, tell me about a difficult situation in the kitchen and how you overcame it uh, to be honest every Friday and Saturday night are pretty difficult like you just are like like you say in the kitchen you're pretty in the shit and you just have to like orders are coming in you have like your head chef is asking you to have like 11 things up and you don't know how you're going to get out of it like you're honestly close to breaking down before you just get through it and like that's it but that's the buzz you love really as a chef but it's uh it's properly very tough on a Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, did you do home ec in school? And what are your opinions on the subject? Um, I didn't do home ec. It wasn't uh, wasn't an option in uh, in the school I attended. I think we're uh, pretty macho there, so that would be my opinion on the subject. Yeah. Uh, do you have any kitchen disaster stories? Uh, kitchen disasters, I think. I've been lucky enough, but I haven't had too many that I've seen some absolute disasters, like on social media and stuff. Um, just like, oh, probably recently enough, uh, before we got shut down again, uh, for our vegetarian option, um, it's like a smoked potato gnocchi, and the garnish for that is we have like crispy potato skins and deep fried cavalonero, which is kind of like deep fried spinach, just like a crispy. So we can't just deep fry that in our regular fryer because we cook, we cook with beef dripping in the fryer. So every night you have to put on a pot of like sunflower oil and fry the cavalonero fresh. So just, just before service starts and if you, when you overfill it, the fryer oil just bubbles over and just goes everywhere. So that happens to me there. And like oil was just a hot oil bubbling out of the pan, like spilling all over the floor. And yeah. I just actually froze and my husband moved the thing. Like, but yeah, that's always pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so you're studying culinary entrepreneurship, which resume is a, a practical course. How does COVID impact this? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of, you get a blend of practical and theory, so each practical class I still have four hours a week, I still go into college for, okay. just um, reduced class numbers, so there's only eight of us in the class now, plus the chef lecture, and you are all just, you each have your own section that's spaced like two meters apart, and everyone's wearing masks, so that's been fine, at least I still get to finish college, you know, one day a week, which, which, which isn't too bad. Uh, where did your interest in food stem from? Uh, well, I think like all chefs, well, a lot anyway, kind of, it originally stems from your, like, your mom, or, you know, whoever's the kind of lead cook at home, so, like, my mom is a really good cook, so, you know, Originally, that was where the interest came from, was cooking with her, but then you kind of have to have that as your own kind of drive and interest yourself, so then just becoming, like, obsessed with other chefs, like, I think everyone starts out with, like, Gordon and Jamie as, like, they're the two ones they love, and um, so just, like, just wanting to be, like, that good, and then, like, discovering other chefs, and just, it, once you're in, you just, it's kind of addictive, and that's it, really. Uh, now we'll have a quick, uh, a small quick fire round to end the interview. 
Yeah. Who's your man, Talteca? Ah, Talteca. Baked or fried, dude? Oh, fried all day. Uh, deep fried or air fried? Ah, uh, set a question. Jesus, my mum has an air fryer and I want to see the back of the thing, to be honest. <laughs> uh, lobster or steak? Steak. Waffles or pancakes? Uh, pancakes. Ketchup or hot sauce? Ah, uh, go ketchup, you know, these good old ketchup. Uh, fill steak or sirloin steak? Uh, sirloin. Uh, Mexican or Italian? I go Italian on that one. Uh, we're now at the end of the interview with Michael. Many thanks, Michael, uh, from all of us on Black Rock College Radio. It's been a real honour to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Stay tuned uh, for more from DCR. All right, cheers, lad. Cheers. Bye. Hello and welcome to Four Ones Home Executive of Black Rock College Radio. My name is James Sheridan and today I'm on the phone with Ross Lewis. Ross is the co-owner and head chef of Mitchin Star Restaurant, Chapter 1 on Parnell Street. Welcome to Black Rock College Radio, Ross. Hi James, great to be on. Looking forward to the interview. Thanks for having me. Ross, could you tell the listeners a bit about yourself? Yeah, um, well, I'm the uh, owner of Chapter One Restaurant. I uh, have two restaurants. One is Osteria Lucho on St. Glen William Terrace. The other one is a long-standing one Michelin star establishment called Chapter One in Panel Square, where a restaurant was established since 1993. I have been a chef there for uh, Chef Pantron for 28 years. Um, I have been in the catering industry since 1985, so 35 years, and I've been cooking for 33 years, so, yeah. Where did your initial interest in food stem from? Um, you know, it's a funny thing, uh, James. I, I was partly brought up uh, for portions of my life on uh, a grandfather's uh, farm and um, I would have at that stage uh, come into very close contact with the the whole agricultural stroke food ecosystem um, and I suppose working farms in those days were ones that you know not, not just you know uh, provided milk and so on and so forth but they were generally all around and yeah. This farm was a dairy farm. It had uh, a piggery, so provided pig meat. It had a chicken house, provided um, chicken eggs, sold wholesale eggs, and it had a butchery shop. So, you know, along with that, then would have the farm gardens, uh, which would, you know, mainly uh, be used for, you know, growing raw produce and, and primarily to eat for the house, uh, for for the house and uh, for the labourers that work on the farm. It had orchards of apples, pears, and so on and so forth. So at that young age, I would have seen the kind of uh, the, the nose to tail uh, um, of, of eating. Uh, I would have seen uh, animals reared, slaughtered, butchered, uh, and then put on the table and cooked. And there was always a great ceremony of when uh, at lunchtime, where uh, in those days uh, the workers would come in from the doing their very hard labour and as you know farmers get up very early and uh, there would be always a very wholesome lunch provided with starters, main courses and uh, usually something that was nice baked as a dessert so it could be apples from the orchard and you know or pear crumble and so on and so forth so it's great to see everything you know just uh, 
that was on hand and picked straight out of gardens and used. And uh, I suppose that's really where I, I saw my first uh, my first glimpse of what it's like to be in a kind of a restaurant setting. Yeah. When your family was cooking, did you ever help or did you ever cook yourself for them? Yeah, I have great fond memories of uh, my, my 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 grandparents also had a bed and breakfast uh, in, in in their farmhouse and uh, and at, at stages before that they had a cafe. Uh, I wasn't privy to that myself. It was closed when I was born, but um, you know I remember always trying to help with the breakfast. That they always cooked uh, had a cooked breakfast for people in the guest house, and also remember kind of making you know. Uh, Apple uh, pastry, rolling out pastry uh, on the countertops with my mother and grandmother whilst they were going about making apple tarts and so on and so forth. So I have a very, um, a, a very uh, clear memory of doing that, and uh, I suppose you know that's where you know I would have thought at one stage that you know I had a passion. My two passions at that stage they'd either give me a a six-foot uh, plank of wood and give me lots of nails to hammer in, or or, or or rolling out pastry. So maybe I was either going to be a carpenter or a paste or a chef. So I ended up the latter. <laughs> yeah. Was there a chef that you worked with in your early career that you would consider a mentor of yours? Yeah, I worked with um, a chef called Jerry Dowd in in London, and um, Jerry was my head chef, and he had come from the Waterside Inn, which is a three mission star restaurant. Right. He's an Irish guy with, uh, sorry, he was an English guy with Irish parents. Uh, came from Lisbon, and he uh, was just a great communicator and just had a lot of respect for him. The way he managed people, uh, his ability, his knowledge, and um, I just kind of struck up a friendship with him as well. And uh, I actually had uh, lunch with him in Belfast uh, in October last year, so. That was 30 years ago I met him first, and I'm still quite friendly with him. So uh, that's a kind of a mentorship and uh, a friendship that has been enduring and lasting, which is which is something really special about the restaurant industry. It's like the great big Cajun family. Yeah. People become quite close, and um, it's a wonderful place. What made you decide to return to Ireland after your many trips abroad? I actually returned to Ireland to collect a green card um, in 1990, and uh, I was going to use the green card to go back to the States, and uh, the um, there was a delay on the green card, uh, and uh, I came in February, and they said it wouldn't be available in November, and I didn't want to go back to London, didn't want to go to Geneva, and I went to um, live with two friends of mine in Leeson Street who were doing, uh, I think they were the first year of their, uh, they'd graduated college and I think they did a postgrad, uh, two of them in UCD and they were working in their respective fields and, you know, I bumped in with them. Next thing it was the World Cup 1990 and Dublin was quite exciting. Um, decided to get a job and I ended up working in uh, the old Dublin restaurant of Francis Street, which is a very good restaurant in its day and, uh, I just thought that um, it was a very busy restaurant. I thought that, you know, finally had a, found a place where there was a future for me um, in the sense of, you know, I could open something in Dublin. It was back in Ireland. Uh, it wasn't abroad. And uh, that sat well with me. And so, yeah, I've been here ever since. 
What's the hardest part of working in such a prestigious restaurant like Chapter One? So the hardest part is that you um, is is always trying to be consistent to these standards. So when you become one of the market leaders, then you know uh, the, the the problem is that you you never really can feel that you're on the top of the mountain because that's where the peak is the thinnest and, and the air is the thinnest and you you need to feel that you're 90% of the way there all the time because what happens is that the standard that you are continually striving to better is, is your own standard and that's a very uh, challenging position to be in that you're not necessarily chasing some an external standard, but you're always chasing your own standard. And it's a has you know we have to deliver 700 meals a week at the peak of our performance all the time. So it, it's almost like sprinting a marathon. Uh, there are no down days. Um, you can't send out uh, second-rate meals. Um, there's an awful lot of um, ground you have to cover in a restaurant from you know, um, making friends with good suppliers, taking the raw produce in, changing it out of recognition and serving it to 750 people, serving them, open the door, closing, take their bookings, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of detail you have to follow through on and it's constant battle all the time. And you need to be, I think, made of, you think, think you need to be somebody who doesn't mind challenging yourself all the time, and not everybody has the ability to do that. Um, and obviously, even though we're working with lots of different wonderful food that changes seasonally, but you're still working to the same standard no matter what food you work, you, you're working with. So you, you, you become channeled into a very narrow pressure point constantly, and... You know, to do that for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, but in our case, we've been doing it for twenty-eight years, and uh, that's the challenge. Do you have a special dish that you would consider your specialty, or is there many different? Um, yeah, we have. Um, well, there's one dish that we do, uh, which is a hot chocolate mousse, and we put with different flavors all the time, and that's been on the menu since um, <coughs> I think uh, 1996, 95. So. That's been on the menu for uh, a long time, and we've served um, hundreds of thousands of them. Sounds really um, nice. Another dish that I particularly like is uh, we do a, a beautiful stuffed pig's tail with, with lobster, and uh, that'd be, for me, one of my savoury signature dishes. Yeah. You were the head chef at the state dinner for Queen Elizabeth in 2011. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, there was a lot of pressure. Um, we did dinner for 170 people, and uh, we made the menu a patchwork. Um, kind of quilt of of all the produce from as many counties as we could in Ireland. Mm. So we were only given, I think, four weeks' notice for security reasons. So we had to bring everything together, prep everything, you know, have security and, and the prep on the prep fridges at night time. You know, it was a kind of a security van took all the food to the banquet hall in Dublin Castle. So there's an element of like. You know, an awful lot of pressure. Um, you know, this is the visit of um, Queen Elizabeth II. Had been the first visit uh, of a reigning British monarch since Queen Victoria. So, 
I think we all know what the you know, historical implications of yeah. that are. And Massive. so it was a, a, a hugely important time for Ireland and for me to be part of that lineup is just unthinkable. And, uh, I suppose James is a bit like getting a cap for Ireland, you know, no matter how, how, how well he played or how badly they can never take it away. From yeah. <laughs> You've won many awards with you personally and your restaurants. Do you have one specific one that means the most to you? Yeah, the well, the Michelin star I think was um, a uh, yeah it's huge and it brings an awful lot of attention. And it's really the pinnacle of any uh, restaurant restaurateurs. Pardon? It's really like what any person who is a chef aims for as a. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of restaurants out there don't, don't ever set out to want to go that route that's for sure and there's, there's fast food market there's a middle market and then there's you know a slightly higher end and, but for people with for chefs with some ambition who want to get it actually getting it is yeah it, it, it's bigger than um, you actually think and um, I think it's a bit like any of those great occasions in your life you, you can't really anticipate it until it happens to you but you know there's this massive interest from the public massive interest from the press international food people start coming up and you kind of come of age and the restaurant fraternity takes you more seriously um, and it's almost like joining a club of you know a prestigious club and uh, it was hugely important for us we were in you know on Parnell Square which was not which was a kind of a, a an alternative location so to speak it wasn't you know Merriam Square Stephen's Green mm. and so we didn't kind of enjoy you know the passing traffic and the footfall on the, on the footpath as they did so we always had to try and attract a bit more attention to ourselves and the star was was a huge part of that and uh as I said, it has a huge international dimension. And when tourists come to Ireland, you know, they, they see it as a standard and, and people want, want to go there. So it's, it's a self, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Once you have, have one, you know, you know, a restaurant does certainly get the exposure and it kicks you on a good bit. Would you say getting the star or being the head chef at the banquet would be the biggest part of your career? The, like, pinnacle of your career? Yeah, that's a tough one, but yeah, they're they're kind of inseparable in some ways. But if I had to choose between one, getting a star, yeah. I mean, I've, we've had a star since so fourteen years, so you know that's brought me fourteen years of you know a gold endorsed by such a gold standard. It's yeah. brought me countless amounts of people through the door, um, and whereas the Queen's banquet dinner was. It's a once-off, and as I said, it's like getting a cap for Ireland. It comes and it goes, and it's always there, and it's an amazing talking point. But I think, uh, for me, if I had to choose, yeah, the star is definitely the one. Now, that's all the time we have today for this interview. Thanks so much, Ross. From all of us at Blacker College Radio, it's been a real honor to talk to you. No problem, James. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, been, been a great pleasure. Thank you.